0: Well, the scripture for today, as they're ready to go, is from 2 Kings, chapter 1. I'm going to read from verses 15 to the end of the chapter. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king, and said to the king, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Akron, it, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So the king died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Jerah. Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, because Ahaziah had no son. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaziah that he did are written not are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel?
1: Thank you very much, Becca. This is the Word of God. We've had this uh, series this summer on the life of Elijah. I hope you've been. Appreciating this, I know I have preaching it, and it was kind of I was thinking about this the other day. I'm glad that we record our services so that those who are unable to be here during the summertime, uh, whether through trips or many other reasons, um, can can go back and and view these. Because I've had just an awesome time preaching on the life of Elijah. He's one of the most important prophets of the Old Testament. We are first introduced to Elijah in chapter 17 when he confronts the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, Ahab. Elijah, Elijah, we are told in James 5, was a man with a nature like ours. That's probably the most important thing to know when you go into these Old Testament prophets. They're not special. They're not supermen. They're not superheroes. They're people like you and me. It's kind of like, it's like in the uh, Christmas carol. Charles Dickens starts off by saying, Marley is dead. It's important to know that Marley is dead. It's important to know that Elijah was a human being just like us, with a nature like us, but he prayed earnestly and God heard him. That's the encouragement for us, to pray earnestly without ceasing. This was to encourage us to pray because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah... um, Elijah, three major miracles in his life was the way he was fed. First by McRavens, then by McWidows, then finally by McAngels. He does many mighty things, God does many mighty things through him. The really sad thing that happens is that it doesn't change Israel. There's no revival. The king and queen aren't um, deposed, and, uh, and, a, and a revival happens in Israel. No... <laughs> Jezebel starts breathing threats against him, and he enters into a time of depression or despondency. God loves him, he ministers to him during this time. And at the end of it, God provides a disciple for him in that of Elisha. The events of chapter 21 were a part of a different sermon. Um, So what I won't be preaching on is about Naboth Vineyard because I preached on that before. There's a sermon called, How to Destroy the People of God in Three Easy Steps. Kind of a funny thing happened this week. I'm working on the sermon. I, I where God is leading. Actually, last two weeks, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Did I preach on Naboth's Vineyard?" And I'm like, "I feel like I have." And I'm like going through it, and all of a sudden I can't find where I preached on Naboth's Vineyard. And I'm like, "Oh no, okay." Well, and this is like on Wednesday. I had already written everything for this sermon, and I didn't feel led to even preach on Naboth's Vineyard. And I'm like, huh. so I, I'm going through the DVDs. Yes, I did preach on it. It's not. Unfortunately, it is not on YouTube. It is not on the website because that was during the time we were having problems with the audio, so there's no audio on it. So at some other time, I'll be glad to preach that again. It, it was titled, How to Destroy the People of God in Three Easy Steps, because Ahab and Jezebel did that very thing to a man named Naboth. They did not just kill him, they killed his good name, and then they had him executed as a criminal. What happens to Elijah in chapter 21? So that was 20, 21. There seems to be a gap in Elijah's life, from the ending of chapter twenty-one, Second Kings. Of course, this makes sense because the books are not called are called Kings, not Prophets. Also, um, we can very comfortably and confidently assume that Elijah has been following that very still, small voice as he is mentoring and discipling Elisha. Between chapters nineteen and Second Kings, there's a lot that's gone on. We have Naboth's vineyard being stolen. And after this, Ahab actually weeps and seems to repent, and God relents, he was going to kill him in his whole life, but he relents, but then Ahab goes back to the same old, underhanded tricks that he was doing. He, uh, he get, enters into an alliance with the righteous king of Judah, and uh, he has this great idea, and I, I imagine it was Jehoshaphat, he's probably... A lot younger than Ahab at this time. So Ahab tells him, kinda of great idea. When we go into battle, you wear all your kingly robes and everything. I'm gonna dress up as one of the soldiers. You're probably kinda getting what that was about. You know, everybody would be focusing on killing the king, not just some soldier. What ends up happening is just some random person draws a bow and they catch him between the folds of his armor. Now, if you watch movies and TV shows, you're probably going to be like, why doesn't it just go right through? If you watch movies and TV shows, armor is like no barrier to somebody who wants to do someone harm. It actually was. It would have deflected the arrow if it had hit the actual plates of the armor, but it actually goes between the folds, and it kills him. I anyway, know, I can imagine him talking about Jehoshaphat. that makes me think of, you know, the thing, the whole question of Batman. Why does Batman wear black? Well, it's so that people don't shoot at Batman. So then why does Robin wear yellow and red and bright colors? And the answer is so that people don't shoot at Batman. <laughs> it did not work out so well for Ahab. And that all happens without Elijah. So the end of Jezebel and Ahab, his two arch enemies, happens completely without Elijah, and that's okay. Because remember, God had told him he kept 7,000 for himself that have not kissed the veils. Do you remember what Elijah said to God when he was depressed? And I, even I, only am left. We often have the same attitude. We're going through that pity party, I'm all alone. Nope, nobody else, I have nobody in this world, and we have this time. Or we have that other kind of side of it, and that was kind of like for Elijah, when he said that I'm no better than my, uh, no better than my fathers. We'll have this attitude of, I'm the only one doing this Christianity thing right. Or our church is the only one that is doing this right. This last week I said before that me and my wife were at the General Council of Assemblies of God. That is the governing body of the Assemblies of God uh, nationwide. I am honored and proud to be an AG minister. Because of my excitement, it might be easy for me to explain how the Assemblies of God is the only one doing Christianity right. Actually, we actually used to have this term in Assemblies of God circles where We're the only, we're the only uh, church, we're the only um, uh, denomination that believes the whole Bible, and I'm like, yeah, because the others are ripping stuff out. I mean, like, you know, I thought that was unique to us, and then I made friends outside of other ones, and they said they're telling me how they said the same exact thing, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's amazing when you find out that God has preserved for Himself seven thousand who have not kissed the bales. There, of course, are people who sell out. There are people who do go after the Baals, who go after the things of this world, who still call themselves Christians and pastors, but let us never get to the point where we think we're the only ones doing this right. We're the only ones who who these things are going on, and we're the only major force that God uses. Elijah has no part in those those events. In fact, another prophet named Micah actually has a part in there. Many people who are part of that 7,000 that God spoke of. At the end of 1 Kings, we are introduced to Ahab and Jezebel's son, Ahaziah. Ahaziah is actually a godly name for an ungodly man. Ahaziah means Yah. Yah would be short for Yahweh, God's covenant-keeping name. I probably should mention that every time. One time I forgot to do that, and I was told someone in the congregation was like, "Is, is that what the Arabs call God? And I'm like, no, 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 that's the Hebrew name for God, the proper name of God, Yahweh. So it means Yah- and Yahweh has grasped. God has a hold of you. Godly name, but it takes more than a godly name to raise a godly son. He did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father and his mother. Commentator Albert Barnes notes that the phrase in the way of his mother does not occur anywhere else. So congratulations, Jezebel, you were so wicked that they had to make a special thing for you for your son. You know, family stories don't count for everything. After all, a son or daughter born to wicked parents can choose godliness, and a, and, a, and a son and daughter born to godly parents can choose ungodliness, but a family story does count for a lot. What kind of legacy are you leaving for your kids? I would say that even, I would say that even to teenagers. What legacy right now are you creating for your kids? And as a youth pastor, I say no. Because there's things that you're going to do, and you're going to tell your kids 30 years from now. And they're going to be like, well, mom and dad got to do that. I should be able to do that. Have a godly legacy, one of repentance, one of of talking about the goodness of Jesus Christ and how he keeps us faithful. Ahab and Jezebel left Ahaziah, an ungodly legacy, and he walked in it. He also didn't have to walk in it. I want to point that out. Just because you have a family history does not mean you have to walk in it. Many, people, many of the kings of Judah did not walk in the family history that they were given, and said that they walked in the ways of not of their immediate father, but of their father David. And I wonder for Ahaziah, if he had decided, when he heard the stories of Elijah at Mount Carmel, and fire coming from heaven, not from Baal, but from Yahweh, if he would have chosen to walk in the ways of the Lord, and in what was good in the sight of the Lord, I wonder who would have said he would have walked in the ways of. David, who actually wasn't a blood relative for him, that was the kings of Judah. Who knows? But he did not choose that. He, choose, he chose to walk in the ways of his father and mother. Now, today's sermon, it's titled um, Elijah Shazam. And there's a reason for that. My wife laughs at that because she knows what I'm talking about. Chapter 1 of 2 Kings includes two miracles of Elijah. Well, one miracle that is... Um, and that occurs twice. Ahaziah is sick and wounded, and he sends a messenger to an oracle of Baal-zebub, Be- an ekron of the Philistines. Elijah, under the direction of the of the Lord, intercepts the messengers and tells them not to bother, because because Ahaziah did not inquire of the Lord, the God of Israel. He would not get up from his sickbed. Ahaziah then sends one group of 50, plus their commander, to, a, to Elijah, And they say to him, Oh man of God, the king has come down. Uh, The king says, Come down. Elijah replies, If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. And the same thing happens again. Now, many commentators and scholars believe that the the vernacular fire from heaven is a kind of a euphemism for lightning. Um, We see this with James and John, in fact. When James and John asked the Lord, Should we call down fire from heaven? And then they're called, what, the Sons of Thunder. If you ever wonder if Jesus ever smiled, he smiled. He smiled, he made little jokes. Ooh, the Sons of Thunder are here. So anyway, so I telling my wife, I was working on this, I've been at General Council, and I was saying, I was like, I think I'm going to name it Elijah Shazam, because, uh, and she laughed, and um, the reason why, and you go to my, uh, my additional slide here, if you don't mind here. Oh, and actually the next one. Okay, Alright, so there's this movie, and there was a comic one before that. Um, and uh Billy Batson, he's the kid, and he'll say the magic word Shazam, and he gets turned into the hero you uh, speak Captain Marvel now, his name is Shazam, which is anyway, whatever. I'm not gonna get into that. I'm really trying hard not to do the nerve rage thing. Um, so I told my wife, and she she of course laughed at that because it's kind of similar in that Elijah says, if I be a man of God, then boom! Except, instead of lightning striking him and becoming a superhero, lightning strikes 51 men, and it turns them not so much into a superhero as, uh, as, as like Captain Marvel, but more like the Human Torch. Um, <laughs> they get fried. So I told my wife, and I said, you yeah, know, I'm probably not going to name it that, that's probably too silly. And she's like, no, you should, because you can use Shazam as an acrostic for your points. So, this was Becca's idea, not mine. So, if you have an issue, talk to her. But if you like it, talk to me. Um, maybe go to the first slide here. And here's the uh, acrostic made, uh, made out of Shazam here. Suffering and a healer, a disobedient king who forgot to have zero gods before the Lord, a mighty man of God and the mighty one. So these are the uh, three points. The first point is suffering and a healer. As the great philosopher, the dread pirate Robert, said, Life is pain, princess. Anyone who says different is trying to sell something. Well, I'm not trying to to sell anything. I'm trying to introduce you to the healer. That was Isaiah's problem. He didn't know who the healer was. In chapter 1, the king is already suffering. Why is he suffering? We go back to the end, the last chapter of 1 Kings. He did what was evil in the eyes sight of the Lord. Now, I probably should have mentioned this before, but in your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 1. We are in that whole chapter today. I will be going over this basically verse by verse, even though I'm not going to say verse by verse. He learned all the wrong kinds of lessons from his parents. Now, sometimes our suffering and our pain is not our fault. You get robbed or mugged, that's not on you. I don't care what you're doing. I can talk about more serious things, but I'm not going to for the sake of kids this morning. But you get what I'm saying, right? Some things happen to us, and it's not our fault. And you should never accept a condemnation for things that are not your fault. But sometimes, the best way to find the source of the pain that you are currently experiencing in your life is to look into the mirror. Ahaziah's suffering is more like the latter than the former. His suffering is actually also threefold. It's not just that he broke, probably broke his leg and is now sick. There's three different things going on in his life. In the last chapter of 1 Kings, it speaks of Jehoshaphat's reign and how he planned to go to Ophir and retrieve gold. And Ahaziah wanted to get out on that deal. In a parallel story, in, in the parallel of that story in Chronicles, the Lord. The Lord has an issue with Jehoshaphat. He does not want him to be unevenly yoked with the wicked king. You think he would have, like, wised up after Ahab tried to get him killed? But he's like, oh, okay, let's do something there. And the Lord's like, okay, stop it. He breaks his boats. And uh, because of that, um, Jehoshaphat wants nothing to do with Ahaziah. So he loses out on a very lucrative opportunity. So he is suffering financially, he is suffering politically. Verse 1 of chapter 1 of 2 Kings. It talks about Moab rebelling against Israel. And nations would do this during this time. There would be a new king, and they wanted to see, wanted to basically see how tough he was, or be somebody they could take advantage of. So, what they would do is they would raid, they would take stuff, they'd kill his people. And basically, the idea was give us something that you're rich in, or we're going to keep doing this. It was extortion. Um, give us. You know, a portion of your sheep, of your hay, of your gold. Basically, if you've ever played Settlers and Catan with me, it's the way I play the game. So, uh <laughs> the inside joke, and a point game, all right. Yeah. He is personally suffering. Most houses in ah- Ahaziah's day were one story. The rich had multiple stories, uh, stories on their house, that is, so multiple levels to their house. And uh, they didn't want poor people looking at them. And it is absolutely as petty as you are thinking. Um, they did not want the poor people to look at them on their high uh, uh, on the, the height of their house, so they would build walls of latticework so that they wouldn't have to look at the poor people. <laughs> um, that is the latticework that he falls through. So it's kind of funny when I mean, you look at I mean, you think of the arrogance and the pride of this man building the lattice, have the latticework built, and then he tries to lean on it and he goes right through and. He is, he is suffering. He is hurt so bad that he breaks something. Who knows? But he is sick. If you ever have a bad fall, and then you start running a fever, dangerous time. Young sex. Back then, when he didn't have antibiotics, it is really bad. He is suffering threefold. And what does he do in his suffering? What you do in your suffering says a lot about you. It says more about you than what you do when things are going well. Where do you turn when you are suffering? This man is suffering whether by his own hand or by others hand by others hands he is at a desperate point so where does he turn not to the god of Abraham Isaac and Jacob not to Yahweh Rophe the god who heals thee he turns to the gods of his father Ahab and his mother Jezebel and to the gods of their enemies the Philistines it's a sad thing that happened. No, it was a really tragic thing that happened in America this last couple of years, right? Of course, the tragedy of how many people died and everything. But there was also another tragedy that was happening. We didn't really realize it. Especially you don't realize this as a nation, because we've had other tragedies in America. 9-11, the Spanish Flu, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Desert Storm. You know what they all had in common? Was There was a resurgence in prayer in praise and worship, and then also in church attendance. You know why this one's unique? Because church attendance... We've had a time of revealing. You know what apocalypse means to to be unveiled? We've had a time of revealing in America that when times got tough, we turned to the gods of our fathers and our mothers, the gods of money, leaders, self, all kinds of quasi-spirituality. Is there not a god in America we, we could have acquired, inquired of? Ahaziah turns to the gods of Israel's enemies, to Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron, in the country of the Philistines. Go to my last additional slide. I want to talk about Beelzebub. Elizabeth. Um, You've heard the name before, it is in the New Testament, you know it means Lord of the Flies, let me get my notes here, make sure I got things right. Um, so, that is a transliteration of a transliteration, all the way back from 2 Kings chapter 1, what we just read. B-A-A, um, let me just on here, um, B-A-A-L-Z-E-B-U-B, um, that's the transliteration uh, is a transliteration. And above means Lord of the Flies. Um, originally, what, what scholars, and what uh, even in older manuscripts, the actual wording should have been Baal-zebul, Be- Baal-zebul, which means Baal is Prince. The Philistines, they had, there was many different Baals, same basic deity, but they had kind of their patron Baal. And they called him Baal the Prince. That was their big thing, so proud. Baal is prince. That's what that means. Hebrew uh, scribes, on the other hand, decided to change his name a little bit, to change one letter. It's a, it's a one only one letter in the English as well. You can see it here. Baal Zebel. And from Baal Zebel, you have the transliteration as Baalzebub, and a further transliteration in the Greek in the New Testament, Bielzebub. Baalzebul means Baal is, ki- is prince, baal ze bell means, Baal is poop.
0: <laughs>
1: the Hebrew scribes, it was the best bit of trash-jacking I can think possibly in antiquity, because the seeds are so proud, Baal is prince! And the Hebrew scribes like, no, Baal is poop! <laughs> and that is how we know him today. Um, I found this out, and I was, like, excited, I had to tell people. I was like, that is the funniest thing I think I've ever heard in the scriptures, is that the scribes are like, yeah, Bale's cool. how about that? No, that's not what his name is at all. Well, it's too bad you guys didn't go through the exile as well as we did, because now everybody knows Bale's above. So, that's some great ancient smack talk for your Sunday morning. Who can heal? Ahaziah was looking for a God who could heal. And the tragedy is, is the poop God couldn't help him. But there was a God in Israel who could. So many visit empty wells looking for water. What's worse, though, is that we don't even know what healing we need. We look at the immediate problem and we think, this is the problem in my life. I lost my job, or things are going bad at home, and things like this, but there's something so much deeper that God wants to get to the heart of. From C.S. Lewis, from his book, The Problem of Pain, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world, but there are those who decide to be deaf, no matter how loud the clarion call goes out, and ah- Ahaziah, he is seeking from the gods of Israel's enemy, from a God that Israel eventually calls just poop. Luke 19.42 Would that you, even you, this is Jesus Christ speaking to, to Jerusalem, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden in your eyes. This applies to the American church today. Would that you, even you, had known in this day the things that would make for peace. Not politics. Not critical race theory, not our leaders, not politicians, not all these things, not things going our way or things not going our way. You would know this day the thing that would make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. My second point here going forward is a disobedient king who forgot to have zero gods before him. There are three groups of soldiers that Ahaziah sends to Elijah. He's obviously kind of hurt. He sends out his messenger, he sends out his messenger to uh, um, inquire of the oracle of Baal Zebub. Thank you so much, Baal zebub And Elijah, Elijah, the Lord speaks to Elijah. He intercepts. He says, "Don't bother. Isn't there a God in Israel you could have inquired of?" Yeah. Because he inquired of Baal Zebub he would not get up from his sickbed. So Ahaziah takes this personally, he sends a group of 50 plus 1 over to Elijah, and if you get the implied threat in that, he could have sent one messenger to Elijah, he only sent a couple messengers to the oracle in Ekron, but he sends 50 soldiers and their captain after one man. And He obviously tells them, or they cued in on this, that maybe if we flatter Elijah, he'll just come with us, and they call him Man of God. And, as you can see, Elijah, he kind of like, well, if I'm a man of God, then let fire come from heaven and consume you. Consumes the first group. The second group comes, they actually shout at him from a distance to come down, and that, to come quickly Each group of these soldiers and their captains approach the prophet. They address him as man of God, but only one survives the encounter. Why? Perhaps Ahaziah remembers the stories of what happened during the reign of his father and mother, what happened at Mount Carmel, the drought. And he wants to butter him up with such pride and arrogance to think that God can't see through an insincere heart. Many today think that. They think that they can just give God lip service, but their heart can be far from Him. They honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Leonard Brayden Hill said this, When there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. May that never be our church. The third group of soldiers, the captain does what the disobedient king should have done from the beginning. He falls on his face and pleads for his life before the prophets, it's like what the psalmist said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Ahaziah, if he would have repented, God would have spared his life. I can say that with confidence because there's other kings who are in this exact spot who repent and God spares their life, but he has no repentance in him. The third captain does what the disobedient king would not do when he falls on his face. He is in the position of repentance. He is presenting what Paul and Romans would call a living sacrifice, to present our bodies as living sacrifices. The disobedient king has forgot who put him and his family on the throne, and who can take him off. You know, idolatry is more than statues, and it's more than oracles. The number of of gods we are allowed to have is precisely zero. precisely zero. Idols don't always look like statues, and they don't always look like oracles. The present day, I think it's important to actually even mention that you cannot have literally other gods in your Christian worship. Because so much of pagan idolatry has made its way into churches. There are people who mess around with crystals, with New Age, with occult imagery, all the time, and they try to be like this, is, and they try to make books on how it's Christian. You get to have no other gods. Before, before the, the true God of Israel, the true God, Jesus Christ, I said, I need to mention how our God is a jealous God. That was the thing that Oprah didn't like. She heard her pastor talking about God is loving, God is everywhere, God is a jealous God. She did not like that. He won't share you with other spirits. He will not share you with universal powers. But other gods are not always named the god of poop, either. Sometimes the good things, the blessings of God, can become idols too. When those things become idols, when the blessings of God become idols, they turn into curses. It is crushed under the expectation that finally this will complete Young people, you find somebody you're looking to marry one day, don't put the pressure on them to complete you. That's not their job. Right. Husbands and wives, if you are looking for your spouse to complete you, I call it the Jerry Maguire syndrome. Not that anybody has any idea what that movie is <laughs> anymore. But there was this thing, that like, you complete me. So you had a generation of people looking to their boyfriend and girlfriend, you complete me. And then they get married and they don't complete them anymore. They get divorced, try somebody else. They won't complete me either. You crush the blessings of God under the expectation that they are God, and God will not allow anything to be your center other than Him. Uh-huh. Well, we see this so many things: relationships. Don't look to another person to be only who God can be in your life. You'll crush them. Finances. How much will you sacrifice for that last <coughs> ring? Jobs. It's our thing. Even as believers, we tie so much of who we are into our job. And then we lose our job, and we are utterly crushed. As a pastor, this has been my experience as well. Things don't go well in the ministry. You feel like you personally have failed God. You've let Him down. That's making that position of God in your life. Fame. Fame is such a vicious master. Fame takes so much and gives so so little. Pastors, teachers, mothers, and fathers have all... Then destroyed and destroyed what was underneath them, because fame was their god. I always wonder how how could somebody go from preaching God's word faithfully from one moment to just buying into everything of this world the next? It's an addiction called fame, and we need to stop lifting up people in Christianity, other pastors, musicians all kinds of other superstars, and we see we need to stop lifting them up because they are not what we should be looking to. It is God and God alone. Mm -hmm. Zero gods. God will let nothing else be your center other than Him. Even His blessings. The number of gods you get is one because there is only one true God. The rest are counterfeits. Mm Amen. My third point. A mighty God, a man of God, and the mighty One probably should have named this the Mighty One of Israel, but the title was getting kind of long. Um, Elijah, we get in verse 8, Elijah's appearance. We talked about this before. He was... i just go ahead and read it. They answered him, he wore a garment of hair and a belt of leather, leather about his waist. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. So he knew him even by the description. Does that sound like anybody else? Or, you know... wore wore hairs and wore a a belt of hair. Now, other than those guys on Duck's Dynasty, you're probably thinking of John the Baptist. And a lot of other people did, too. They asked him, are you Elijah? And Jesus said he operated in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah, he was a man of God, and people knew he was a man of God. Let's look at Elijah's part in this story. I want you to remember about Mount Carmel. There was a choice before the people. He said, how long will you waver between two choices? Either the Lord, he is God, or Baal, he is God. Lord being, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, such that's Yahweh in the Hebrew. Or is it Baal? The one who answers by fire, and fire was mythologically Baal's domain, lightning from heaven, um, was Baal's domain. The one who answers by fire is the true God, the prophets of Baal, they take their turn, nothing happens, nothing happens. They cut themselves, nothing happens. Elijah starts making fun of them. And you kind of wonder if maybe this is the reason why the scribes changed the name of the Baal from Bell he like says, maybe your God's out there relieving himself. You gotta speak a lot louder than that. <laughs> That's great. And the scribes are like, yeah, Baal's he bell. Elijah starts making fun of them. He says, maybe he's on the toilet, maybe he's off on a journey. When it's Elijah's turn, he doesn't make a lot to do. Fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And the people fall on their face and they say, The Lord, he is God. The Go Lord, he mm-hmm. is God. This instance is very close. Ahaziah has chosen Baal, not the Lord, is his God. God still answers by fire by consuming those soldiers and their captains. What stops God's wrath? The repentant ca- captain The one who, at least in his body language, signifies exactly what the Israelites did, falling on their face, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. He knew the mighty one of Israel truly was. So Elijah allows himself to be led to the king. You know what's amazing? When, When Elijah is put in front of the king, he doesn't change his message. I think that's incredibly amazing, because I live in a time when a pastor goes on Oprah and he changes his message. I live in a time where a pastor will go on Larry King and he'll change his message. But they lived in a time when Elijah was before a king who could have had his life and he doesn't change his message on it in one word of it. Amen. Doesn't that encourage us to be brave? Encourages us to walk in the same way? For after all, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Do you change what you say? When it comes to being around friends and family, is there like two of you, or many of you? Do you change what you say to gain the approval of others at the expense of the approval of God? Worship team, would you come up at this time? That's the thing we always have to ask ourselves. Am I one way here, one way there? Am I double-minded like the people of Israel? Or have I decided the Lord, He is God? The Lord, He is God. James and John, they thought that God would bless them the same way Elijah, so they thought they could call down fire on uh, from heaven on people. So that's a hint for you. God's not going to work through you that same way. If you didn't work that way through James and John. Maybe I can start calling you like a brother or sister a thunder, though. You know, Elijah has learned to live in a still small voice. There's been a significant change in Elijah from these chapters. This is one of the benefits of going through the Scriptures, chapter by chapter, because we get to see the progression of what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Elijah at Mount Carmel, God works in this amazing way. Fire comes from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, the rain comes, he runs out ahead of the horses. Then he finds out nothing much has really changed. Jezebel's still breathing out her mur- murderous threats. So he goes to the mountain of God, he doesn't get there, he gets into a under a broom tree, and he weeps before God and says, God, just let me die. I'm so, I'm so tired of this. I've done everything I could, and there's still not revival. And there's so many pastors, and there's so many people of God today, and they are the same way. I pray until tears roll down and nothing has changed. That's because we view our acceptance with God the way the world views their acceptance by what we do and the result of it. That trusting that God will build his church the way he'll build his church. There is this uh, this is the main takeaway I want you to get from this. you are loved. That probably was not what you were expecting for the takeaway from this story. 102 people get bribed, the king dies. The ending of this story is very much like the ending of the other story. There's no revival. And the king who takes over Ahaziah is just as wicked, and there will be even more wicked kings. What about all the work? What about everything Elijah was building? He is now okay with it because he knows the still, small voice. You know what he had before he confronted Ahab? He had the Lord. All he had was the Lord. He's living in the mountains. All he has is the Lord. He's at a place right now where he has servants. Perhaps he's faulty. perhaps. His eyes doesn't matter. But he knows that all I really need is the Lord. I don't, need to be, I don't need to be successful in the world's eyes, or in anyone else's eyes. You know, what God is not, you know what God is trying to do in you? He is not trying to make you a successful servant. He is conforming you into the likeness of His Son. Amen. That is what God desires to do in your heart. You are loved. At the end of this story, the king doesn't repent, he dies. The people don't repent, they continue to run after idols. Elijah doesn't run, but Elijah does not run away and tell the Lord he wants to die. He now lives in the echo of that still small voice. There's this clip of a sermon I put it on my Facebook this last week. Tell so my friend every time somebody I know in ministry or anywhere is getting to a breaking point, I send this clip to them. It's from a pastor named Paul Washer, and I'm just going to kind of summarize it for you today. But I just find it so powerful. He, he talks about how. It doesn't matter if you are in a place of success from the world, or a place of failure from the world. And he was talking to other ministers, so he's talking about ministries. So much in our ministry, I'll go to general counsel, and that's the push. Lots and lots of people, lots and lots of people. What are the measures of success? You know, the measure of success for in my life is how conformed I am to the likeness of Jesus Christ, because he's the only one I truly answer to. And he's the only one you truly answer to as well. Even though you're not on the stage, that is the same as true for you as well. How does God see me? He see my everything, or is He something I take onto this? You know, for a lot of people, for a lot of people, when they come to God, they go through a period, a kind of honeymoon period, where God is protecting them through grace, and then God kind of draws away a little bit, and they find themselves failing in so many areas in studying God's word in prayer. Maybe I ask you to lead a Bible study. Nobody comes to the Bible study. Maybe many things like that happen. And God will allow this, and that God will work this into your life, so that you would know that the all-surpassing power that flows through you is from Him, and not from you. You are the jar of clay, so that you can say with the psalmist, Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth is nothing I desire but you. I don't believe this is true for only pastors. I believe that you go through very similar experiences as I do. I want you to know one thing. Simple. You are loved. You are loved. And where you need to be at is where He's conforming you to be, and that's all that matters. You don't need to move an inch to the right or an inch to the left. You don't need to be successful in the world's eyes. I would love for next week for you to bring 20 friends. That's awesome. That doesn't make you any more loved by the God than you are today. Maybe God would put on your heart to start some huge ministry, or maybe He won't. It has no effect on His love for you. and, And like Elijah, at the end of being faithful, you have that same joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And next week, We will find what the reward of a person who knows that they are loved by God and that He is enough in their life. (coughs) Will you please pray with me? We will end with a song of worship and the benediction. But during this time of prayer, during this time of worship, I speak these words over you. You are loved. You are perfectly loved exactly where you are at. Struggling, not struggling, success, Failure, your rubric of success is so much different than the world's. Because it's being conformed in the likeness of Jesus Christ. God, I pray over this congregation right now, those who are watching at home. It's easy to praise, it's easy to say hallelujah when things are going well. But when that thing, even that thing that we felt that you laid on our heart is falling apart, it's easy, maybe like Elijah in the previous chapters. To be like, God, it is enough, I know better than my father's. We need to come to the point where Elijah is in this story today. you boldly proclaim your word, as we always do. But the actions of other people do not hinder and take away our joy. Because your joy is unspeakable and full of. It is because of the goodness of Jesus Christ do we stand. It is because of the goodness of Jesus Christ do we strive. I do not need to do a billion things, or things that other people say to be successful in, and to be successful in this life, because I know the one who's made me successful in this life, and in the next, it is Jesus Christ, and I do not need to move a wrench to the right, or an inch to the left. I need to follow where he leads me. Now if he wants me to do something, I'll do it because I love him so much because, more importantly, He loves me so much. But I don't need to do that in order to gain His love or His favor. I pray this over this church today. Congregation, would you please stand with us as we end this service in worship?